Hey, Brian. Hey, Rick. Shooter McGavin here on a Masters Weekend, day two. Wow. So I heard your From the Tips podcast is kind of badass. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of From the Tips. It is me, your boy, Brian, always joined by my fantastic co-host, Rick Landis. And if you thought that just maybe you got rid of those two weirdos that talk about golf out of Pennsylvania, you would be incorrect. Very sorry about the delay here, folks. Had something come up last week and then had something come up again this week. But we got here to you a day late this week, so that is completely on me the entire way. Much apologies, but Rick, how you doing? Good buddy. I don't think that we need to place blame anywhere. I think we collectively give enough issues. I mean, little little bit of a teaser slash spoiler for the people here. You're going to be missing us again in two weeks because I'm on vacation. So. That's happening. That's <laughs> happening. Uh, what what is probably going to wind up happening is, um, hopefully. We get some uh, some recorded content out of there, folks. Not trying to jump the gun here for you, but with that recorded content, I'm going to attempt to just splice that together and create an episode so that Rick can enjoy his vacation and I can sleep because I'm going to be exhausted and just trying to recuperate from getting drunk a lot. Um, speaking of the golf trip, by the way, um, I want to ask you, how's packing coming? Have you started packing at all? Have you started packing the bag up or anything? I have not started packing yet. I figure I'll get to that next week. Uh, Gina's going to be away for four days for work. So literally right before we leave. So I'll have a little bit of free time to do it then. So I'm just going to hang out with her this week. And then next week when she's away is when I'll pack. Yeah, we're going to get in next week is going to be, you know, probably obviously pretty heavy about the open, which we'll get into this week too. But uh, we're going to probably talk about the golf trip the most next week's episode because it'll be the the week before we'll we'll have uh you know maybe some predictions out of the two of us obviously our opinions are a little bit skewed as we're on the same team yeah uh, duh. um and you know just in case all you were wondering we are playing together one of the days in fact we're going to start it off hot and the boys oh, yeah. are gonna be playing together on day one trying to get a w against my future father-in-law and his best friend little mano y mano situation <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, it, it's funny because um, his best friend that's going to be playing with him, is, is, uh, his nickname's Coach, but his actual name is Brian, even more crossover. But uh, he's the the friend that keeps Mr. Murray in in, in check when it comes to his uh, alcohol consumption. And I'm like, wow, I'll tell you what, you know, we all need would, that kind of friend, don't we? I would love to see Mr. Murray without that check. I know, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. As, ooh, ooh, I'm I look, I'm a little worried for anybody, uh, including myself, who is a, is a drinker going into this trip just because of the pure heat. I'm gonna try to not drink at all on the course because I don't honestly wanna... I'm not sure how many drinks I'm gonna have in the whole weekend. Yeah. Uh because uh breaking news, I do have a concussion. So there it is. I went to the doctor and they told me I do. So I missed three days of work last week because of it. And I slept an average of like 14 hours a day. Uh, (laughs) I was catching up on sleep though. That's you. Yeah. I mean, kind of, not really, but kind of, 
Um, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. I probably won't be drinking too much. Definitely won't be drinking on the course. Absolutely not. I'm Gosh, not, oh my god, I'm not crazy. I'm gonna have as much water as possible. You know, just water and electrolyte um drinks. So like liquid IV or water, yeah, just, stuff. just a banana at the turn, maybe. Yeah, yeah I just can put something. a banana on a hot dog bun. Consider that my my turn glizzy just to keep. <laughs> would would you would you consider that a crime against the sport of golf? If I brought hot or I just asked for a hot dog bun, just just a bun at the at the turn and put my banana. In. Is I don't that know that I would. The game? I don't know that I would consider that a crime against our game, but I wouldn't be shocked if Joey Chestnut just like Homer Simpson <laughs> out of the bushes and just smacked you across the face as you were doing that. Oh, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of Joey Chestnut, huge win again. Absolute machine. Um yeah. We got. I really feel like he's got to be in the uh, conversation for greatest athlete of all time in his sport. Um, but you know that's that's a different podcast for a different time here, folks. Yeah. Uh, but in other sports news, as we always start the episode off with Rick, what do we have today in sports history? Well, I'll tell you once it loads. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had it up, and then I pulled up the leaderboard, and then it went away again. So now now I have to reload it. The technology uh, is not your friend, man. No, not really. Uh, yeah. So here we go. 1910. The man, the myth, the legend, Cy Young. Whoa. wins his 500th game. Holy cats. Well, I guess there's a, there's a reason the award is named after him. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's good. A lot, a lot of people argue he's the greatest pitcher of all, of all time. I argue that those people haven't lived in the 20th century. But Here's a fun I, one for you. Might uh <laughs> might kind of blow your mind a little bit. Uh, nineteen twenty, right on this day, Babe Ruth hit his thirtieth home run of the nineteen twenty baseball season. Oh, his own that. single season record. Uh, and that season he hit fifty four, which recently, uh, I mean, sure, I'm, I think was broken before that, but recently Aaron Judge just rebroke that record again. So sure, surpassed that, yeah. Um. I, be- I believe that was the record that he broke. Might have been a different. It was in the Yankee system, anyways. Uh, I think. I think that's the um, that record uh, stayed true for the Yankees organization, but not the league wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, here's the thing, though. I think we've already talked about this on on the podcast. Do you think in today's game, Babe Ruth could stand in that box and stare down a? Shohei Otani, hundred and three mile an hour fastball with movement. No, and even come close. No, he wouldn't even. I think we're talking up. like Bartolo Colon numbers. Yeah, yeah. Like- <laughs> hey, obviously, you know, a broken broken clock is right twice a day. Bartolo Colon does have a career home run in there. He does. <laughs> I mean, Big Sexy did get one over the fence, but could you just imagine any of those like legendary hitters, your Mickey Mantles, your Joe DiMaggio's, your Babe Ruths? Standing in there in the box nowadays, not even not even Shohei Otani. Sorry, I'll just I'll just go to like uh, Johan Duran of the of the Twins, who touches 104 regularly. I mean, I know is he the is he the best reliever in the league? Not necessarily. He just throws hard. Just throwing heat. They're not they're not even touching it. They're not even coming close to beginning to touch it. By the time that bat is probably about middle of the swing, ball's already behind. The ball's already going back to the pitcher at that point. Yeah, the catcher's already caught it and is returning it by the time they're midway through a swing. There's just no chance 
Uh, but obviously that's why uh, records get broken because uh, technology advances and athletes are way more equipped to be athletes nowadays. Um, yeah. All right, you got anything else? Uh, yeah, I do. Real quick, I'm looking to see if I can find the average pitch speed from back then, though. Oh, they have. Ooh, that's a that's a good question. Just to see, like, how much faster people are throwing right now. I got. Um, so, according to the Washington Post, the best pitchers of that era topped out at ninety. Yeah, and now we got now we got people topping out at like 105. A 90 mile an hour fastball, it winds up 500 feet in the seats nowadays. Yeah. Now you're you're either old or you're, a, um, or you're or you're trying to paint corners. You're 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 the Jamie Moyer type. Yeah. <laughs> Recently, I did go uh, into Pittsburgh for work and went to a Pirates game with my with my buddy and the. Uh, oh, how was that? No, oh my god, that their ball stadium ball. is beautiful, is it not? Oh my! If you get the chance, folks, to wind up in Pittsburgh, make a stop at um, PNC Park. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous ball field. It's it ridiculously amazing in there. Um, but the guy on on the on the hill for the Pirates that day uh, was none other than Rich Hill, otherwise known as Dick Mountain. Um, <laughs> He's uh he's kind of one of those older pitchers. Uh, his fastball topped out at eighty eight miles an hour, and he recorded a win that night. It, it, the most nice. baffling thing you could have ever seen. Uh, he had Juan Soto, Manny Machado looking goofy, uh, <laughs> trying to to swing at it, which you know you could argue is a is a confusing thing when you're used to seeing you know ninety eight plus yep. fastball, seeing a whole ten mile an hour is a slower could absolutely mess up your swim mechanics but not these guys man they uh they see that speed and it's uh pretty much over for them yeah uh and then before we before we move on uh just because 1964 pga championship this is a golf podcast we'll kind of segue into our golf talk uh bobby nichols wins his only major title by three strokes can you guess who he beat what year was this 1964 64 Jack Nicholas and ooh and Tom Watson no Arnie Palmy yeah there it is he beat them both he led wire to wire apparently Whoa! he so, don't see that much nowadays yeah so Who go there? Bobby Nichols Bobby Nichols beating out two of what is considered two of the greatest golfers of all time by, by yeah so shout yeah. out to that dude yeah right on Bobo Nichols how about it. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about another pretty famous Bob, uh, not your your future brother in law. By the way, we we will not be talking about him. He's not. Uh, but another, uh, another pretty cool Bob here as we talk about the Scottish Open. If you are all wondering why we're not going to talk about the Barbasol Championship, well, folks, it's because there were a lot of good golfers at one event this last week, and there were a lot of not very good golfers at another event. Uh, that is that is not to uh, you know discount what the Barbasol Championship is, um, or not the Barbasol. What was it? That's the one coming up. What was the one that that played this last week? Uh, I don't know. It was the Barbasol. Was it? Was it the Barbasol? Yeah, no, it was. Okay, so it was the it was the Barbasol. Sorry. So, and that's no offense, right, to the Barbasol Open and. And you know, there I'm I'm sure it's a wonderful event with wonderful people. Don't get me wrong. 
Um, but watching guys who I don't know score 22 under on a course that I don't necessarily care about is not what I would consider exciting stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm not flicking to that channel. Yeah, no, especially when the Scottish Open is on. And this is a perfect example, Rick, of our argument that uh, there are just some weeks where the PGA Tour, just you can take off. Yeah. You, don't, you don't have to, right? Yeah. There's nothing strapping you to the idea of having to having to do this. And obviously that's probably going to change moving forward because of this whole merger, which we will talk about uh, towards the end of the episode because they did have their time in Washington. But first, obviously, we're going to talk about the Scottish Open as Roy McIlroy. That's right, folks. He's back in the winner's circle since his last win in the Dubai Desert Classic in January and his first PGA Tour win since last year's Tour Championship. Uh, because this, um, I forget the necessarily the reason why, but you can get FedEx Cup points from the from the Scottish Open. I'm not quite sure why, considering it's a uh, DP World Tour event as well. It could be one of those crossover events, but there was a lot of uh, PGA Tour action over on that side of the pond for this one. As Roy McIlroy gets it done with a Sunday 68, which was not the best Sunday score of the day as uh, Bobby McIntyre, the Scotsman himself trying to win it for his home country shoots a Sunday 64 and loses by one stroke. The pain Rick, I tell you watching it. I look, and I am, I'm a big Roy McIlroy guy. I really am. I want to buy McIntyre to win this so bad. Yeah. Not taking anything away from Rory. Cause I believe on Thursday he shot a 64. So it's right. not like he, it's mm-hmm. not like he didn't have a great round. Also, it's just, we know Rory. He's a big name. Everybody knows of him. And to be completely honest, I think most people probably would have rathered him hold that win for next week. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, and let someone like Robert McIntyre, who's not as well known in the golf world. Um, get this win and have that for himself. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent agreed. Uh, so Rob, Rob McIntyre or, or Bobby Max, I'm going to call him moving forward here. Cause I mean, I feel like we're on that. We're on that kind of, you know, we're yeah, on, I think so. Yeah. Work. You guys are me, pretty good. Me, me and, and B Mac there. Um, he's mostly a Euro tour guy. Um, I do not believe he's logged. This is uh, this, this Genesis Scottish open. I, I don't think it's his first PGA event, but. It, it's close. Uh, he's played in in some in uh, majors since 2019. Excuse me. Uh, T6 at the Open Championship in 2019. T12 at the 2021 Masters. T8 at the Open Championship in 2021. And a T23 at the 2022 Masters. Um, so, you know, he's played in some majors, had a decent amount of success. Those are some, some good paydays there. Uh, he is ranked number 54 in the world and number 6 on the DP World Tour, as many know as the European Tour, uh, so it's not like he's a nobody, but I think he's he's a pretty unknown guy when it comes to your um, strictly PGA Tour followers. So it was cool seeing one of the better Euro Tour guys and obviously one of the better uh, PGA Tour guys go head to head in a way there on Sunday. That was really cool to watch. Um, but I, first things first that I want to bring up and I want to ask you that course was so difficult to play. I saw people pulling out four irons from 150. And I'm talking PGA Tour professionals where four irons usually touch like, you know, 250, 270 probably, if they hit it right and it's a clear day. They're hitting four irons, 150. 
And you got guys hitting pitching wedges, 220 yards for no reason at all, right? Yeah. That That is how wild this course was. But this is the kind of, uh, you know, course conditions you expect when you play in Scotland, England, or Ireland. How how cool did you think the weather conditions and the course conditions were watching this tournament? I personally hate playing Lynx golf, mostly for this reason. That reason, um, exactly. <laughs> but it is fun to watch, and it is fun to see the how how much it varies from hole to hole like you said people were in pitching wedges 220 and there was one point where i think it was rory took like a three wood and hit it like 220 it's like that's just not like that's normally his like seven iron (laughs) he he, he drove the ball so he had the longest drive of the weekend i think it was like over 360 or something like that he also recorded the shortest drive uh that hit the fairway of the weekend at 252 (laughs) <laughs> Roy McIlroy folks hit his driver on the fairway mashed it 252 yards and that's the type you... of inconsistency that's going to lose you golf tournaments <laughs> or win I guess if you're in <laughs> Scotland for but that's right people you me your friend your dad your grandfather we've all outdrove one of Roy McIlroy's drives uh technically speaking we've all done it so we can just one of them put the <laughs> put that notch uh, right in the head there. Yeah, but yeah, go ahead, continue. That's all I really had. Oh, okay. That. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's it's one of those situations where you have to sit back, and I, and I kind of brought this up to you uh, before we got on. Why can't we see this more often, right? Like, I feel like every single time the PGA Tour or like most, you know, or like the Open Championship or, or an event somehow gets over there, Every single time plays in Scotland, Ireland, or, or England, even Wales. So just, you know, Great Britain in general. We're every single time we're like, wow, that was so cool. Because we watched these golfers get truly challenged by by just the weather conditions alone. I mean, albeit the course, because it's linksy, slopey all over the place. There's pretty much never a flat lie. The greens are just demonic, right? Every single time it's like, wow, that was that was really fun golf to watch. Like we watched really good golfers struggle for four rounds and it was nothing but enjoyable for us amateurs. Yeah. Why can't we see this more often, man? Like I get that the PGA tour is mostly United States or North America uh, kind of event. And I get that, but you just never see this kind of course condition and competition on these kinds of courses on the, on the U S side, you know, do you think in your opinion that we should see this kind of stuff more often? Uh, I think it would be nice, but at the same time, they would have to travel more like they are right now, because mm-hmm. if you think about the reasoning for why these courses are acting like this, it's because they're near large bodies of water and there's no trees anywhere. That's just the nature of Lynx golf in Great Britain, Europe, whatever. Um, and unfortunately for the rest of the season, it's mostly in landlocked states with a lot of trees. So you're just not going to get those same kind of conditions. And we only really get that kind of stuff when we get like torrential downpours or like sometimes we get heavy winds depending on where they're at. Like sometimes Pebble Beach gives it to us. But again, large body of water, the course itself, not many trees like Spyglass has more trees. And I forget what the other course is there, but they both have more trees and they're not quite as windy as long as you're staying under the trees. But we don't have a lot of courses like that that are designed that way along the water. Yeah, and and when they do play those courses, it's like a highlighted event because of the conditions that they're going to have to play in. Uh, out of the 47 total events on the PGA Tour, nine 
are in other countries outside of the United States. And that and that's not even including the European ones. That's the ones that are in Mexico and, and Canada right. as well. So, I mean, you can consider the European ones even smaller at that point. Yeah. Um, it, it's just something, and you, you bring up a really good point about the travel. It makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, you have, you have a lot of these guys getting over there, you know, two weeks ago. Yeah. To, to prepare for this event and then also stay for the open that's directly yeah. after it, right? So you got these guys who, you know, are from the United States, a lot of these a lot of these players who are over there for like a month and a half, you know? Yeah. And and that's obviously hard on families and you know, the professional athlete. And I and I get all that. But just as a as a golf fan, as somebody that likes to watch the sport, likes watching professionals do what they do. Yeah. Boy, do I love watching them struggle. It is just it is just one of those things where as an amateur golfer, you understand you have no chance on this course, but watching them have no chance on a golf course, it's yeah. just it's just kind of fun. I mean the it's refreshing. The greens, the greens alone. I'd like obviously they're evil, right? Because yeah, they're like concrete course. But the wind. I understand that there's obviously is an impact on the golf ball at all times with wind, even when it's on the ground, but I've I, like I feel like just trying to reach back in my mind. I feel like I've never seen putts get so affected by wind than during this event. Yeah, like on TV, I definitely, I definitely haven't seen it. I have had one experience on the course where it was windy enough that the wind was actually like taking my ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you might have been out with me for that one, but like we don't see it to the extreme that we see it that we saw it like this weekend, which right is, is fun to see because like the fact that like just taking a second to think about the fact that they have to maybe put a little bit extra or take a little bit off of their normal putting stroke. Right. And they have to like think about that for an extended period of time about mm-hmm. how they're going to do that and when they're going to time it and stuff like that. Like that's just, it's interesting for golf nerds like us, like, like seeing guys go through that process. And, and that'd be incredibly fun to see. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Just because already I'm, I you know, just comparing it to the, the the kind of thoughts that I have going into a putt. I'm just trying to think about where the thing's going, let alone speed and touch, and then when to hit the putt. Like trying to yeah. find the right gap in the wind. Doing all that, like usually when you get to the green, you're not you, you're you're kind of you got to you get to put the the wind thoughts in in the back of the brain. You don't yeah. have to you know, access that right now. It's by no means the easy part, but like at the same time, it kind of is because the balls are not leaving the ground. So you have so much more control over where it goes. Yeah. Don't listen to me about putting here, folks. I am famously a horrendous putter. Uh, that is, that is Rick's territory, not, not mine. Um, but oh, that was just brutal to watch. And, uh, you know, even the, the bogey on, um, what was it? 17? No, no, 16. The bogey on 16 on Sunday for Rory. Um, right before he went birdie birdie to to win the tournament, he really didn't put himself in any bad spots. He didn't, you know, like he didn't force his way into bad situations. I I really think that the conditions that he was playing under and how everything was going with those conditions affected the way his shots were going. And I think that was happening to a lot of the guys out there, which is so cool to see as an amateur golfer watching these professionals that you know would just not only shoot the record at your local muni course, but would probably hold that record for years and years to come. Watching them struggle on a golf course is, is just really fun for, for me. And I'm assuming for most other uh, amateur golfers, but aside from the course, we've given it, it's, 
its time in the sun. Um, you know, congratulations to the uh, the Renaissance Club in uh, North Berwick, Scotland. Um, but Roy McIlroy gets that win. Finally gets back in the winner's circle after kind of going on a bit of a drought here. Um, do, what impressed you about about Rory's um, win here? I mean, you could you could say that the back to back birdies on seventeen eighteen, but mm-hmm. what what do you think kind of stood out to you about his ability to win when it came down time to it? It, it was it was refreshing to see him not blow it on Sunday. <laughs> right. I, like obviously yes. it was it was close. Like Bobby Mack was like. He was breathing down his neck, but at the same time, Roy did just enough. And that's all it takes most of the time is just enough. Like we talk about it all the time. If you shoot one stroke better than someone on four days, you're winning by four strokes. Usually. Yeah. It's such a small margin of victory and error that like you look at it and you're like, oh, Roy only won by one stroke. Mm-hmm. But like at the same time, he won by one stroke. Like that's like not something to just like scoff at like one stroke. Right. It, it could be a wayward tee shot. It could be a horribly misread putt. Like there's a lot of things that could go into it. And it's like, it's like as, as, as close as it was, like he was just the better golfer as throughout the whole weekend. That's yeah. how you win a golf tournament. And it was refreshing to finally see that again for the first time, like you said, since he won the FedEx cup last year. And I think the timing is incredibly important for his confidence going into the end of the season. Yeah, not only that, but uh, you know, obviously going into the open coming up here. So I agree. I think I think that's one of the biggest takeaways for me is his because we've just seen it so so many times. He just explodes on Sunday. And it's just every single time he's got a lead going into Sunday, you're like, Well, it's Rory, so who knows what's gonna happen? And it always I'm winds, blow it. <laughs> Yeah. It always winds up, you know, he he starts the day, you know, pretty okay. Maybe he has a bogey on the front, but like not he's not shaking. Then he's like he like doubles and then bogeys twice. And you're like, what happened? Roy, what, what happened here? And he finally was able to put it together on a Sunday and hold the win uh, against some, some stiff competition. Like the guys, the guys around him weren't, uh, weren't nobodies. You know, you have Bobby McIntyre, Scotty Scheffler was in fifth, Tommy Fleetwood and Tyrrell Hatton who were in the mix for most of it, but had some, had some rough Sundays, um, you know, were, were right there. Tom Kim, uh, J- JT Post and all guys that we, we've know we've known and heard of were in the mix so you know he was beating guys he wasn't just beating you know eurotour players and stuff like that um but you know when when you have to every single time going into sunday be like okay well here's here's roy let's cross our fingers and see if he can win that's got to be exhausting not only for it's obviously exhausting for fans but that's got to be exhausting for, for rory right the, yeah. the, it, it's it's a lot like the kind of cloud that um oh his name uh, Tony Finau had all over his head for for yeah. many many months um that he just couldn't get it done there's there's been this whole story about Rory McIlroy that he can't finish yeah which is hilarious because what he proved last year is that he can finish yeah it's like right back to being being that guy you know yeah so we're seeing his ability to close now at a as you brought up and and very very well brought up at a very important time right before the open and already over there in Scotland, uh, he's going to go to Royal Liverpool uh, and play the open. Do you think that he can uh, repent for the sins of last year's open? 
um, where obviously he completely fell apart. It, do you think that the expectations are higher? Do you think that he's uh, expecting more from himself? Uh, do you think that this is a good thing going into the open? Or do you think this is a detrimental thing going into the open? I mean, we say it all the time. Back-to-back wins is tough. So I think it's probably more detrimental than helpful in right. the sense of that. But I did want to mention it too. Um, it is nice. I do enjoy when we have tournaments that happen over in Europe and Great Britain and stuff because, like you said, we get more of the Euro Tour guys. And one of the first people that I like started following when I got into golf, as far as like namesake and like kind of keeping up with them as much as I can is Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah. And he's always there yeah. when these tournaments happen over in Europe. Tyrrell Hatton, same thing, always there. Like they're always just in the conversation because these are the courses they're used to playing. These are the types of courses they're used to playing. And it is really nice and refreshing to see some of those names where like, we all know who they are, but they just don't come over to the U.S. a lot. So we don't see their names on leaderboards all that often. We don't get to watch too much of them unless you're getting up at 4 a.m. like John to right. watch the Euro <laughs> Tour. Well, yeah, well, I, look, it's not all John, right? That's mostly his son, but he's awake anyway. So might as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is kind of refreshing. And at, at the same token, I think that does put a bit of an expectation on Rory being that this is his side of the earth, basically his, his <laughs> hemisphere, if you will. Um, and like he did just win and we know how good he is and we know that he can win majors and why not, you know, like why not yeah. win the next one? Why not yeah. win the one after that? Like there, like excitement and the, like the excitement that people feel when people start to get on roll doesn't, doesn't understand that winning back-to-back weeks on the PGA tour is hard. Like that doesn't, that doesn't affect anything. And I don't even think it mentally affects Rory in a negative way, but I think just based on what we've seen is negative. hundred percent. Yeah. Ever since tiger stopped doing it. uh, Yeah. Going back to back uh, on the PGA tour is pretty difficult. Um, Look, he's won at Royal Liverpool in 2014 um, but that was also his last major was in 2014, the PGA Championship that he won. Now, obviously, the Open is not the one that he's missing. Uh, as we all know, that is still the Masters, and maybe he'll get there someday. Um, but, you know, here's here's really the, the outlook when it comes to this specific tournament. You know, he's won it in 2014. He won there specifically in 2014 and he's coming off a win i really feel like there's a lot of good takeaways here and i hope that that's resonating in his mind instead of the whole oh winning back to back on tour is hard you know uh i'm playing really well right now i don't want to fall apart like you know sometimes yeah. I do this it's very easy even for for professional to let the you know the the demons in your mind win right it's bring up a great point it is completely difficult to uh to to win back to back on tour, let alone go back to back with the second one being a major uh against the top professional talent in the world. Yeah. And that's that's obviously going to play a huge factor into this. So when it comes to the competition, when you look at the open, let, let, you know, let's just keep the, the scope on Rory a little bit. If Rory were to be in contention and to lose the tournament come Sunday, the open that is. 
Uh-huh. Do you think it would because it would be because somebody beat him or he beat himself? I think it would probably be because he beat himself. Yeah. Uh I I just don't like we know that Rory is the kind of golfer that he's gonna win or lose the tournament. And we kind of saw it this week, he won it. And we've seen it countless weeks leading up to this that he lost it. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is really just going to come down to his play, to be honest. I mean, obviously, the guys around him, it matters how they play. But, like, as far as positioning goes, like, on Sunday, if he's in first, it's up to him. I don't know, like, that it is really going to be affected by anybody else at that point. Like, it's all in his mind. It's all on him. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you because that that it's just we've seen it time and time again where he beats himself. Uh, it, it's... I'm not saying it's rare that other golfers beat him because obviously other golfers beat him all the time, but especially when it comes to Sundays and he has a lead and, or he's in contention, it's probably because he's been one of the best all week. Mm-hmm. And if he would just get out of his own way, he'd have so many wins and would probably already have that career grand slam. Um, but he just always seems to get in his own way. Hey guys, we're just going to take an aside here to hear from our partners. First up is shankitgolf.com. Go ahead and visit their website. They got all sorts of things for you. They got golf towels, golf polos, stuff to mark your balls. They got all sorts of hats. They have everything that you're going to need to look your best on the golf course and feel your best on the golf course. Go ahead and at checkout, use code FTT15 for 15% off your order. You're not only helping yourself save money, but you're helping us get a little bit of that scratch on the side so we can bring you the best content that we can. Again, go ahead and check out shankitgolf.com for all your golf apparel needs. If you haven't heard before, Dr. John Murray is now a Titleist performance expert That's right, he is someone who can help improve your body's swing connection. His medical background plus his Titleist certification can help you improve your golf game however you want. You want to have less pain? Dr. Murray can help. You want to create longevity in your career? He can help. Sick of getting out driven by your buddies? He can do that too. Check out Dr. John Murray at jmurraytpi on Instagram or reach out to him via email at jmurraytpi.com at gmail.com once again that's j murray tpi and j murray tpi at gmail.com i've already gone to him for my first screening it went so well i really felt like we identified some of the negative portions of my golf swing i've already started doing my stretches to improve my golf game and i'm interested to see how that translates into my second session go ahead and check him out on those platforms i listed already he's he's great He's great at what he does. Uh, all right, back to the episode. We'll we'll expand a little bit more on the open later here in the episode. We're going to keep moving forward a little bit, kind of bounce off the course for a smidge here. Um, looks like the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and the uh, PIF got its time in Washington um, as uh, Ron Price, the tour's chief operating officer, and Jimmy Dune. Uh, who helped negotiate the agreement, but appeared before the Senate subcommittee uh, in in Washington, D.C. So let's let's see some takeaways here from from the hearings. Uh, Basically, did I read the court documents? Absolutely not. Did I read about it? Sure. Um, Here's pretty much the consensus takeaway. And this is not going to be a surprise to any of us, especially any of our listeners who have been hearing what we've been saying this entire time. It's pretty clear that the concern was not the pursuit of what the best possible product for golf fans and the golf world would be. 
mm-hmm. which they said that's what they were doing, which we knew was a complete lie. Yeah. Um, the uh, it was basically they're going for the most possible profit, humanly possible, and how no, to make really? wildly wealthy and powerful more wildly wealthy and powerful. Um, during the Senate subcommittee hearing, um, they had to uh, disclose some emails and text messages between those at large who were doing the discussions, which is always going to reveal exactly what at the core they were doing, and it's basically exactly. Uh, what's being said it, 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 they were just looking to see exactly how much profit they could turn um and you know they're they're doing it um now i'm i'm not quite sure right um i i don't know why they met at the senate subcommittee uh i don't think it's like they're so they're trying to be stopped by any means i don't know if anybody's suing them um I think they just have to do it to have this merger go through. It's probably because the Saudis are involved. More than likely, yeah. Once it's so an probably something thing. like I don't know. Like it's probably it's probably to make sure that as far as they can tell from the information they have, the Saudis aren't trying to do something sneaky. Right. And- Which to me it just sounds like the PGA tour is being greedy and selfish. Because up to this point, the PGA Tour has been nonprofit, a hundred percent. Right. And from what you're saying and what we've what we've heard now, it sounds like they're just trying to turn a profit, which never ends well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not only that, but you're correct. The more the more I'm kind of you know doing some some spot reading here, it appears um, the reason for the hearing was because of a lot of the senate uh, the senators in the United States. Being uncomfortable with uh, with having the the Saudis become a major part of a major um, American asset, I would say, being one of their their sports leagues. Um, funny enough, it's saying here that there are multiple senators who are kind of coming to an agreement, including Democrats and Republicans alike. So it, if this brings together the Senate, fuck it, why not, right? Um, <laughs> that's, that is funny. But we'll be telling uh, our kids stories about how we got rid of. Uh, political parties we got rid of the two-party system because of golf that's <laughs> that's what happened folks what that the great american started dream. right in the textbook you know it, it, finally uh george washington uh can rest in peace knowing that the uh, bipartisan system has been broken apart finally because of the pga tour what a what a beautiful story that would be um but yeah, basically, the intentions became incredibly clear about exactly what they were trying to do, which, you know, again, comes as no shock, I'm sure, to you, Rick, but also uh, not to me. And it definitely didn't come as a shock to any of the players either. So what we do know is after the uh, the, the deal happened, Commissioner Jay Monahan, uh, who caught a lot of criticism from players, um, took a leave a, a week after the, the merger due to undisclosed health issues. Uh, so at the Scottish Open, Xander Shoffley um, was asked about it, about the hearings and stuff like that, since that happened uh, on Wednesday, right before the uh, right before the tournament. And uh, this is what he said. Here's his, here's his quote. Um, quote, if you want to call it one of the rockier times on tour, the guy was supposed to be there for us. He wasn't. Obviously, he had some health issues. I'm glad that he had uh, that he's feeling much better. But yeah. I'd say he um, he has a lot of tough questions to answer in his return. And yeah, I don't trust people easily. He had my trust and he has a lot less of it now. So I don't stand alone when I say that. Yeah, 
You'll have to answer our questions when he comes back. I mean, that is exactly what I want to see. Um, especially out of like, should I call uh, Xander Shoffley the American leader? Um, just because of the gold medal he has. For I mean, the, he, the he is the leader of America at the moment. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So especially when it comes to bigger names that aren't Tiger Woods on the PGA Tour, he's kind of the American leader when you think about it. It's like him and Scotty Scheffler, Max it's like Joe Biden and then yeah. Xander Shoffley. Exactly. Like very, very much neck and neck, really. Uh, yeah, I would have <laughs> given the option. Um, but when it comes to rep- representatives that to come speak out, this one doesn't surprise me, but I think it's it's kind of a resounding one, given his uh, stature, uh, obviously, amongst players, but on the tour as a whole. You know, uh, he's basically like, hey, once this guy, you know, comes back from his, you know, leave of absence for health reasons. He's gonna have a lot of a lot of answers, uh, a lot of questions that he's gonna need to answer because we're demanding those answers. Um, what what do you think? What do you think would be if you were Jay Monahan and you didn't decide to uh, you know basically leave the country and never be heard from again? What would what would you do first time back, first time in front of the players again? What would you do? Um, say just say that you're not you're not uh, putting it all on a paper statement like you're in front of all your players. What would be the first thing you do other than apologize? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess the I, what I'm what I'm picturing is the um the scene from the baseball draft where uh what's his name is uh trying to wrap up the first round with the Astros pick and everyone's just booing him. Oh yes, yeah. That video. That's just yeah. what I'm picturing right now. Uh, as far as how it would go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm sorry is probably the way to go. But at the same time, I don't know if you're going to have enough time to get that in edgewise, because think about it. This is these guys jobs. This is their livelihood. This is how they make money and how they support their families. Think about if your boss decided to pull some shady shit on you, you and screw you over. You're not going to let them off the hook like you're going to lose your job telling them off before you're going to just let them roll over you like that. Because if you let it happen like that, then they're just going to do it again. hundred um, percent. And you know, they're going to do it again, especially if you let them roll over you, like you said. Uh, yeah. I feel like I'm sorry. It's definitely a good starting point for sure. Um, you can get, if you can get a word in edgewise, like if you can maybe. actually get the opportunity to answer questions while people are yelling at you for being a piece of garbage, Mm-hmm. then yeah maybe i'm sorry is the is the way to start right uh definitely don't try to push blame that's going to be the last thing you want to do in this situation <laughs> be worst case scenario like, oh, what have you guys looked internally have you looked yourselves in the mirror <laughs> that would that would not end well that would not end well at which all. which at this rate i could see him trying to do yo 100 jay if you're He's listening that kind don't. of guy don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I know you want to. Don't do it. It's going to end really poorly. Trust me. Don't, just don't. Yes. And, and do you think that, you know, he's going to attempt to earn back trust in a way? I mean, I guess he has to, or at least has yeah. to try. But like, he, he has luck, to try. You know? He has to try. But again, like, think about it in your own life. Like, you lose right. trust from someone. How long does it take you to get it back? Especially if that person is writing your checks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's gonna take some and, time. It's gonna take a lot of work, and you're gonna have you're gonna have to do a lot of begging for these guys to like fully forgive you. Yeah, 
not only the guy that writes your check, but also the guy that's actively trying to get somebody else to write your check because he doesn't yeah. want to do it anymore. Um, I mean, this is this is one of those things where can he earn back trust? Probably not. But I think the best way to start is basically just be as transparent as humanly possible. You basically have to go all cards on the table now. Everything that you knew that you were hiding from them, you have to tell them now. That's your only option to even begin to earn back the trust of the players that you basically screwed over constantly uh, yeah. the entire process. You were like, hey, stay loyal to our tour. You want to stay loyal to our tour because this is where your legacy is going to be. And, you know, the, they all they all screwed over their own legacies. You let them make that mistake. And now you're bringing them right back to basically reinstate their legacy, reinstate them on the PGA Tour. And they just walked away with millions of millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, you know, that's going to make anybody upset. So the only way I could see him being able to get some semblance of trust back from the players is just you got to be honest, right? You have to be. Um, all right. That's going to be enough. I think it'll be enough now. Um, all righty, to keep moving forward here. Yeah, I guess it, it is that time. The Open, the last of the four majors of the season. We are here. We are already towards the end of the summer, which is wild. Uh, we are, you know, nearing August as we speak. Don't talk about it. Just ridiculous. Uh, that all in all fronts. I'm not happy. Rick's not happy. None of us are happy. But the Open is one of the cooler, um, you know, golf tournaments of the year. I, I, like we just were talking about pretty much all episode. Watching guys go play links uh, courses across the pond is always entertaining because that shit is hard. <laughs> okay, that's just is what it is. So let's already let's let's get into these uh, these storylines a little bit. Scotty Scheffler is he ever going to reward his good ball striking by winning a major this year? I mean, I feel like I, I feel like I've watched every major being like this is the one that Scotty's going to win probably, and it just it just hasn't happened is this finally going to be scotty's major here at the open my gut says no but my heart says yes right (laughs) by golly do i want him to win (laughs) for some reason my gut's telling me someone we don't know all that well is about to win this week Oh, are you are you saying Bobby McIntyre, the Scotsman themselves? <laughs> yeah, that'd, be, that'd be cool as hell, though. It would be, yeah. But like, <laughs> I, I like for some reason, I'm just not like for some reason, my gut's telling me that a big name isn't winning this week. I don't know why. Is it possibly because Shane Lowry is the most exciting man in golf, and I will always refer? <laughs> Look, I know he's won the Open already. Get that, but like, man. Is there a better dude to see hoist and also drink out of the claret jug other than Shane Lowry himself? The he's got to be number one. He's got to be number one, right? Cam Smith, that was cool, right? But obviously, you know, opinions on Cam Smith have changed. Uh, so you know, am I ever going to stop rooting for Shane Lowry at the Open? No. No, I'm not. Uh, and, you know, I think that's okay. I think that's all right. That you is know? okay. Shane Lowry's one of, well, he's one of my dudes, but – uh, to go back to the, to the topic at hand, the question that I asked in the first place. Yeah, I feel like when it comes to Scotty, I also don't think he's going to win. But something's got to give here, right? His ball striking has been way too good to go through this kind of, I mean, I call it a drought, I guess. I'm not quite sure. I, I don't even know if you can call it a drought, though, because he's he's doing so well. Yeah, I mean, he's still himself. But, you know, you you look at that is so much green. Holy <laughs> like what am i looking at right now so for those of you that have an access data golf.com a 
Highly suggested if you're a big old stats nerd like me, this brings golf stats to life in color and uh, graphs. It's super cool. Um, but when you look at the events under a player's profile, uh, it'll it'll show you where they finish, but it also has a color code just in case you don't feel like you know reading every single one. Uh, green, just like a pale green, means they finished top 25. A very vibrant green means they finished top five. And then a yellow with a trophy means they won the tournament. And just a regular block means they finished uh, either outside the top 25 or got cut. Scotty Shevlers is a lot of green. And I mean the, the, the vibrant green. This is, We are not, you know, that it's so much. That's so much. What am I looking at right now? Dear God, how do you get cut at the St. Jude? I, you know, sometimes golf is weird, right? Golf but weird sometimes. man, if something's got to give, like, yes, he's got two wins this year. Uh, are the players the the waste of the people's open? So he basically he's won the fifth major and the sixth major, which yeah. <laughs> I, I just mentally process that. But people consider the players the fifth major. Anybody with a brain considers the waste management the fifth major. Uh, so that would be six now. So he's won the other two, right? That's but not, pretty good. That's pretty good, but he has Why not four, five, six, you know? Yeah, you know? <laughs> if he wins the Open and goes three for six in what I would consider majors, I'm I'm going to question everything I know about the sport of golf. You know how we say golf is hard? Yeah. I'm just I'm just going to wonder if it's not anymore, you know? Is it just is it just hard for the rest of people and not Scotty Scheffler? Is it just hard for me cuz I suck? Yeah, right? Like, why can't I be Scotty? Like, I eat Pizza Hut all the time. Scotty, all the time. <laughs> Literally all the time. <laughs> I mean, we lived off that stuff in college. You should see me after rugby games in college. <laughs> I should be a god at college. <laughs> if it is solely based on how many family boxes of pizza that I've put down... I should be. I should be the number border. one ranked golfer in the world. I should be in a encro- <laughs> I should be encroaching on Tiger's record of most weeks world number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So is Scotty gonna win the Open? I'm saying no. Rick's saying no. The odds are resoundingly saying yes because that's just the kind of guy he is. Every single tournament he enters, he's either the favorite or he's damn close to it. Yeah, and the reason he wouldn't be the favorite is because of sentimental value for some reason. That just always seems to be how it goes. Because I'm pretty sure the the best odds are Rory for the Open right now, at least last time. Cam, uh, no, Cam's up there too, but it, okay. I believe it's Rory right now because of the win. This is okay, this is yeah. post Scottish Open recency bias. Yeah, well, you know it's Vegas is what they do. Um, all right, keep it speaking. I mean, you brought up Cam Smith. Let's talk about it. Um. Obviously, public image-wise, it's been pretty down on Cam Smith, especially after his move to live. But here's here's what we know so far. The guy has put together a, a decent season, you know, bordering on good. Obviously, it's uh, however you want to, you know, talk about what's good, what's not good when it comes to the live tour. He has, uh, excuse me, he has the, uh, the, the one win in Tulsa, and he won the London event as well. But you know, he at the U.S. Open he was four. At the PJ, yeah, the PJ Championship he was T nine. So you know all that stuff that people say about you know the live guys not being as competitive moving forward. He basically was was scratched with every major that's passed. Do you think Cam Smith goes ahead and wins another jug? He's done it before, and he knows the courses out there, man. 
Yeah, I don't know if I see him winning this week. Um, I can definitely see like a top 10, top 15 out of him. But again, my gut's telling me someone we're not expecting is winning this week. Dude, I, I like where your head's at because I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And uh, I do think it's Shane Lowry. I'm not going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> a lot like the amount of the amount of times that I bring up the Ryder Cup, I'm not going to stop. Okay, there's just some things that I can't help. And this is one of them. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. Cam Smith obviously is going to be competitive here uh, pretty much every time he gets a chance to show his skills, at least this year, uh, to the, you know, to the more public eye than just on the live tour. He's proven himself to, it's, to, it's all top tens and majors right now. So yeah, it's, it's impressive stuff. Don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, two more guys that I want to bring up uh, who, you know, got their career started on the European tour. And, you know, one of which, you you really enjoyed watching early in your your golf following um Tommy Fleetwood and Tyrrell Hatton two dudes that were very much in the conversation at the Scottish Open before having some rough Sunday rounds but guys the, these two are playing hot golf right now man um and they are the type of guys that win these tournaments overseas this is the kind of stuff that we usually we see guys like this uh, have a bit of a bump in their their odds to win because it's the open it's over. It's overseas. These two yeah. are Englishmen. They usually have more success at these tournaments. These are two guys that I'm really looking at as possible contenders to win. Well, what do you think? I agree. And maybe Tommy Fleetwood's the guy that my gut's telling me. I don't know. Um, I would love to see Tommy Fleetwood win. That'd be because he's a great guy. dude. And I, I don't know people that really complain about him. And it's always nice to root for those kind of guys. 100%. Um, Tyrrell Hatton, I have good and bad days with him, so I don't really know how I would feel about that. Um, but I do it like I do enjoy the fact that we get it, it, it almost is home field advantage for these guys. They play these kind of courses all year, they're used to it, mm-hmm. and we do expect them to play well because they're they're there all the time. And they play these courses that don't have trees. Like it's crazy. And people that people that have played a Lynx course and a regular, like not a regular course, but uh, a Lynx course and like a, a very wooded or like tree heavy course. Right. Um, in like back to back weekends or like something like that. Like it's very noticeable. The difference. Yeah. It One. Is- for sure. One, the the one that we noticed the most, at least for us, and maybe it's just because we need glasses, is depth perception way off it's between wide. the two of them. Now, maybe it's because of wind, sure, but you feel like everything is so far away. Yeah. We're so close, and you're just so wrong each time. Yeah. And obviously, these guys are professionals, so they're locked in on this, but like, it's got to be harder to figure out. Like on courses with trees like if there's a big oak tree 150 yards out you know that that oak tree has not moved so yeah. every year you go to that course that oak tree will be 150 yards out <laughs> same place man it's the same place so it, it's it's easier to get a read on that kind of stuff whereas when you're playing linksy courses and courses that don't have as many like landmarks and stuff like that it does get a little weird and like you said there's a little bit more wind so that factors into it so I do give I do consider it a little bit of a home field advantage for them. Yeah, I mean, not only that, but like there's a reason that these guys, especially the Englishmen, the Scotsmen, the Irishmen, there's a reason that these guys 
kind of split their seasons half and half, like half the season they play on the Euro Tour, half the season they play on the PGA Tour, because that's what they grew up with. That's what they know. That's where they like to golf, right? Yeah. They, but also, you know, the PGA Tour is where you make the, the best money. That's just, that's yeah. just how it is. But, you know, there's a reason that, you know, these guys do that because they still like to play there. And also, I feel like when you're one of these guys from the, the European side, from England, from Scotland, from from uh, Ireland, when it comes to the Open, that's like that's like your major. It, it, yeah. it's, a, it's almost like a slap in the face when an American wins the uh-huh. open and it's kind of the same way when when a european guy wins the u.s open that's the that's kind of like the the over-encompassing thing when it comes to the open in both categories on the united states side and the european side so they kind of like to play the euro tour throughout the season to stay ready in the in those in those environments because we we talked about it all episode it feels like but they're completely different completely different you know um so i i kind of like those two i'm you know it would not surprise me that just by for no reason at all, Tyrrell Hatton wins this tournament. He's been playing solid golf when yeah. he, when you look at his last starts, you know, out of his last five, T15, T12, T3, T6, is a T27 thrown in there. But that's four out of five top 25s in his last five starts. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd be shocked if either of these guys won. Yeah, 100%. Um, but, you know, I digress. We got to hear obviously what a boy Rob Bolton thinks, right? I mean, would it be an episode from the tips if we did not get the opinion of one Rob Bolton? Um, And we are going to head to the power rankings at this point. Um, Do you think that we should do the power rankings for the, uh, for the, um, isn't there another event going on or is it just the open? Yeah. I think this is actually the week of the Barbersall. I think we, we messed up. We messed that up. I think yeah. last week. So the Barbasol happened last week. Barracuda. The Barracuda. Yeah, we got, you got you can't go back to back bees on me like that. That's just too much. We'll we'll go over the the Cuda the Cuda as well. Um, Do we have to? I mean, I mean, we are, we if you if you don't want to, we don't have to. I mean, is anybody going to be watching? It? I don't think. So. I don't like. Yeah, call your call your top golf buddies right now and ask them if they're watching the Barracuda. Yeah, hey, uh, ring, 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 ring. hey, uh, are you gonna watch? No, no. Why did I call you? I'm I'm making a fool of myself by calling you right now on the air. It, okay, yeah, have a good one. Yeah, they're not watching it, Rick. Um, I called them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's go through the power rankings here on the uh, the old Rob Bolton opinion page, uh, which actually winds up being the PGA Tour.com. I can't believe <laughs> paid to write. That's wild. I was trying to figure out the scene in SpongeBob. When he's talking in the in the microphone, he's like, "I'm making a big what of myself." Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what I was going for. <laughs> and that's just the vibe I was getting. I was trying to remember what you said in the. This moment. is the most embarrassing thing you've ever seen. <laughs> I'm, I'm making a point. <laughs> yeah, that's kind, of, kind of the vibe I was going for. But love it, love it. All right, Rob, Rob's picks here. Rick, you know the drill. Top five, random order. You put them in order. Here we go. This is a stacked top five here. All right. Tyrrell Hatton, Scotty Scheffler, Ricky Fowler, Roy McElroy, and Cam Smith. Ah. Love Ricky Fowler getting some love in the top five here. Love that energy. I feel like if I'm going by my my top five there, it's definitely different than Rob's. But sure. I'm going to try to guess Rob's, I guess. So 
Ricky five, Tyrrell four, Scotty three, Rory two, Cam Smith one. Run that by me one more time. I was looking up if Ricky Fowler's ever won a major. R Ricky at five. Okay. Tyrrell at four. Scotty three. Rory two. Cam one. Oh, dude, you were you were so close. Is Rory and Cam switched? Uh, no. So Cam's three. Scotty's two. Rory's one. You were you were right there. I thought we were. I thought he was gonna do one of those things now, where he's like, he's the defending champion, so he's now, number one. See, that's the thing. You don't know when it comes to this guy. Is he is he is he, is he recency bias? Is he exactly. is last one bias? You never know. I know that was the that was the predicament that I was in. I think the problem is those are the only two options you get. <laughs> so we we got you pigeonholed. We just don't know which one you're going to go with each time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, number five, Ricky. Number four, Tyrrell Hatton. Number three, Cam Smith. Number two, Scotty Scheffler. Number one, Rory McIlroy. Let's find out why. Number five, Ricky Fowler. This one I love just because. You ever see Ricky Fowler in the top five for a major uh, in the power rankings? This is feels cool. good. This is, feels it, feels, good. it feels right. It feels good. If Ricky Fowler wins this fucking tournament, <laughs> he's back. Wild. He's officially back. That, that would be wild. That'd be amazing. I'd love every second of that. But uh, according to Rob here, the recent winner in Detroit was upended by a closing 74 in Scotland and fell from inside the top 20 to outside the top 40 at the finish line. It's an uh, untimely score, but he's still in outstanding form as he chases his first major title. Um, yeah, that's not usually the kind of vibe you want to go into a uh, almost fairly identical tournament with, uh, having a full-blown fall part on Sunday. Um, but, you know, he can turn that around. He had three good rounds, uh, you know, in Scotland prior to that. So he can he definitely turn he's that around. He's a professional athlete. He can learn from it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He definitely hasn't, you know, been a failure for the last three seasons or anything like that. No, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number four, Tyrrell Hatton, uh, Rick and I's uh, dark horse to win this tournament. Uh, don't let the historics, uh, the, the what? What? <laughs> don't let the histrionics? History what? Look this up, Rick. See, this is a word. I got to figure out his histrionics. Histrionics? Spell it. Uh, H-I-S-T-R-I-O-N-I-C-S. Okay. Let's hear what let's hear how it sounds. Histrionic. 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 It's the exaggerated dramatic behavior designed to attract attention. I mean, could we just all right. <laughs> what did you use, use the word dramatics, Rob? I, what can you I, read? What he said? <laughs> what can you, can you read? What he said? Yeah, he says, "Don't let the histrionics fool you. He's an entertainer." Like, just could you, that's shut I mean, up. That's kind of what histrionics is. Yeah, exactly. It's somebody who is dramatic, an entertainer, perhaps. You know, Rob, just, just shut up. Shut. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, to continue, <laughs> he's having the time of his life, albeit still devoid of victory worldwide in two and a half years. The Brit has shed the weaknesses throughout his bag while the vast experience still carries forward. Uh, yeah, you know, he hasn't had a victory in two and a half years outside of the, the Euro Tour, but definitely a guy to watch here, man. I think he really is, um, you know, and don't let the histrionics fool you. You know, he's 
He's don't, a don't, don't be fooled by the histrionics. Don't you dare be fooled by the word that I didn't know existed until today. It's just, you could have just, you, oh, this isn't a time to whip out the thesaurus, okay? I feel like he just has one sitting next to his desk. He has to, right? You, I get it. Your job probably is a little bit mundane. You have to write a single paragraph about, you know, power rankings for players right, every week, right? You have to realize you're trying to write for the regular golf fan who probably does not have a degree in English. Doesn't, doesn't have a minor know in what histrionic means. Yes, thank you. I feel like every time I go through these, I either find a you know a misspelling or I have to, you know, go to Google to figure out what he's trying to tell me. He's trying to speak to me. I know it. Um, it's like he's trying to tell me something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number three, Cam Smith. The Aussie is defending on what is a more challenging track than St. Andrews, but he's built for it. He's been a beast in the majors throughout his career, and that includes a T9 at the PGA and a solo fourth at the U.S. Open this year. Yeah, I mean, we talked about already Cam Smith has shown out in the majors uh, so far this year, and he already has the win here last year. So uh, let's not forget we're pretty much a year removed from when he won this tournament and just bounced. Won a major and then went, yep, time to just uh, you know up and make guaranteed money. Thank you very much. Um, so be interesting to see how he responds to because that's probably going to be a storyline that's brought up this week. You have to think, right? Somebody's sure. gonna be like, you know, a year ago you won this tournament and then you then you went to the lift, but now you're back, right? How's how's that going? Um, why did I sound like Owen Wilson there? <laughs> um, Lightning McQueen, uh, number two, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, what more can be reviewed, analyzed, written, and said? He's a machine. No one has been uh, better balanced and self-aware. Makes it look too easy so often that to say that he's in zone present uh, presents as an insult because that's usually short-lived. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it this episode. It, it was just He just does what he does, man. And it's just he just does a, Scotty things. Like to a gross degree, right? Uh, is it Tiger numbers? No. Is it? About as good as anybody can do without being Tiger, hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Um, number one, obviously, because he just won the Scottish Open, so obviously he's going to be the favorite. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, come on, Rob. You know, you you have this big brain for the writing, but you can't make picks. It's 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 becoming brutal to to a degree. Uh, couldn't ask for a better primer than how he closed out victory in Scotland on Sunday. There's also the not so insignificant boost that he's the most recent uh, champion at Royal Liverpool in 2014. So where better for his uh, major drought to end? I get it. Um, I, You know, he did win this exact tournament at this exact course in 2014, but 2014 Roy was a completely different golfer than he is now. Yeah, that was like nine years ago. Yes. He was but a child a decade ago. Um, And and now he's this full-fledged face of the PGA Tour at this point. Um, you know, completely different golfer has reshaped his game multiple times is kind of back to being the ball striker that he always has been now. But I mean, it's just one of those things where I, I struggled to see that he could do it, you know? Yeah. It's one of those things. Like I'd like to see it because he gets talked about so often. Right. But nine years is so long ago. Yeah. Like it make it almost like, like the thought of, why is he even still in these conversations creeps into your head mm-hmm. when, when this kind of stuff comes up? Cause it's like, 
nine years ago, Jordan Spieth won a major more recently than that. Yeah. And we're not even close to talking about him right now. I know it, it, it's, it's great. He's always going to be a part of the conversation just because of who he is. Right. And, you know, yeah. so is Jordan Spieth, so is Ricky Fowler, all these guys that have, you know, made their, their face and their, their likeness known on the PGA tour as being, you know, the young guns of that generation. They're yeah. always going to get talked about. They're always in the conversation. Right. But when it comes to Rory, you know, and, you know, John, our, our good buddy who we already talked about in this episode, he, he says Rory's never going to win another major. And that's because he's been fairly unimpressed with the way that he's played in majors, as have we all. Uh, so we really just need to to see it. We need him to prove it. I do think he wins another major that isn't the Masters before mm-hmm. he winds up winning the Masters. Do I think he gets to the career Grand Slam? I do. I don't know when it's going to happen, uh, what time, what year. I couldn't tell you. Um, but I do think he winds up winning another, uh, winning his fifth major before winning the Masters. So I don't think his fifth major is the career Grand Slam. But Fair. um and so could this be the one? Maybe. May it would it would be a good place to do it. You know, at, all the writing is on the walls. He did it in 2014 there. Um, you know, same exact course, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it, it the story writes itself, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it remains to be seen, especially because that's a back-to-back win. So that's gonna add a little bit of a wrinkle to it for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, Rick, buddy. Unless you got anything else, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Yep, that's all I got. All righty, folks. As always, thank you so much for listening and thank you for bearing with us through the delays. Um, you, you guys are fantastic to us. You guys keep listening week in and week out, and we can't thank you enough. Go ahead and follow us on our socials at from the tips underscore pod and at FTT underscore pod. Uh, the first one was on Instagram, the second one was on Twitter. Uh, hit the follow on both of those and, you know, go ahead and like some of our stuff. We're, we're getting more active on there. We're going to be active during our golf trip, which we'll talk about a lot next week. So stay tuned for that episode when that comes out. Uh, it's going to be a fun ride uh, at the end of the summer here. Uh, and you know, we're looking forward to being able to interact with you guys. Please feel free to respond to our stories, DM us, uh, you know, stuff and ask us topics to talk about. We're always very receptive to our listeners. Uh, if they, feel uh, feel like they want to dm us so go ahead uh, as always everybody thank you again for listening and we thanks guys see you later